Welcome to Trail Mix, where Mary and Jody sort through life's fruits, sweets, and nuts. Mary Tomlinson and Jody Dreyer, who met when their paths crossed as Disney executives, are now advisors, speakers, and authors, and I'm excited to say podcasters. They can't wait to share life stories and experiences, insightful and practical takeaways, encouragement, and you can always count on full-out honesty and lots of laughs along the way. Ready for some Trail Mix? Let's mix it up with Mary and Jody. So today we're going to be talking about some of the people that we encountered during our careers that were behind the Disney magic. Um, they, they're all really special people. You know, it always talks about, it takes a village. This is a very big village. And there were remarkable people that we came in contact with uh, during our careers. And I know I had probably five jobs over my 18 years, but I know you had like 22 jobs <laughs> so you were exposed to that many more people who made the disney magic so i'm going to let you kind of kick us off today on on some of the people you encountered during your career that were behind the magic at disney well and the interesting thing mary is when i was thinking about it so I, we both love music and country music. And one of my new favorite songs is Chris Young and Kane Brown. And it's called Famous Friends. Oh. But the line out of the song is, I've got some famous friends you've probably never heard of. <laughs> and they talk about in their hometown, you know, this teacher that's been teacher mm. of the year and the firefighter and you know, just all these, a nurse that's been a nurse and taken care of so many people in their hometown. And so they're famous, but not famous as the definition, you know, would maybe immediately jump to your head because mm -hmm. the definition is known about by many people. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the people that create the magic within the Disney circles are known by so many people because you realize that nothing would happen without these people, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily on stage. We used to always call it, especially in the parks, you remember it was, you know, on stage, off stage, or backstage, mm -hmm. and we called it backstage magic. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, but some of the people, when I think about that, just specifically starting with the theme parks, um, like the ones that make me laugh are there's people that help create the magic by what they don't want to happen. So, for instance, there's a whole area like pest control, <laughs> you know, where they want to make sure that you're not bothered, you know, or that you get to experience the right mouse, not the wrong mouse, <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. But then there's also the folks that, you know, just, you know, there's designers that are the designers for the fireworks show, mm -hmm. and they program when the fireworks and set the music and then there's music you know the folks that arrange the music of the shows mm -hmm. and so those people are just beyond talented but mm -hmm. you don't necessarily see them in the park mm -hmm. per se mm -hmm. when Absolutely. you're there yeah 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 i mean so many of mine 
that I think about were in my marketing days, um, just creative geniuses um, like Tom, who really pushed us beyond what we thought we could do. Um, Phil, who had this booming laugh and was just this great cheerleader that could kind of uh, just bring about some joy when things got super tense in these meetings because there was just so much passion. And speaking of passion, I always think about Barbara who led our ad agency. And and to me, she was the consummate person that took us from good to great because there are a lot of just beautiful uh, art designs or ad designs and she would kind of push us to say Mm -hmm. it can be better it can be better and it was I mean those people when you're around them that have that kind of creative genius you just soak it in and are just so grateful for the joy the passion and the skill they bring to their work and knowing that they're behind the scenes backstage Mm -hmm. I mean they're not going to be the one that comes out and necessarily takes a bow at the end right and that's you know the really shows the passion for your work that isn't necessarily, you know, the person on stage. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing with a lot of the people that you mentioned, where I think their brilliance is, and we saw this a lot at the studio with the films too, Mm -hmm. is not only are they so creative, but they're great editors. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that was always a strength that I had. And with Disney, you mentioned there were all these great images and this great artwork. And, but sometimes almost, you know, the overflow of riches where you had too much Mm -hmm. and some of the brilliance was to edit it to then be this very succinct, beautiful, either show or ad or parade or because you you had so many elements that you could have put together in so many different ways and the magic was really sometimes in choosing and paring it down and editing oh yeah i mean and and in marketing i found that a lot and and barbara was really wonderful in that because when we would look at ads and we would look at the copy or you know just any kind of advertisement that you had to really drill down to the most important. I remember doing uh, a lot of branding exercises uh, with Leo Burnett back in the day to try to synthesize the four theme park parks into one word branding. Okay, <laughs> so really hard to go. Okay, you take the Magic Kingdom and what's one word or you take Epcot and what's one word and to boil that down uh, ultimately we came up with uh, fantasy for the Magic Kingdom discovery for Epcot kind of Hollywood for the studios and adventure for Animal Kingdom well you talk about synthesizing down the the amount of work it took it's so much harder to say it with less words than to stay it with more words. Um, and you're right. We, you know, there's a lot you could do, uh, particularly, you know, as we talked about how we market the Disney uh, Disney World and California, but it's just getting down to 
just the, the simplest of words. And that process is not easy. Right, right. Well, and I always felt like my uh, positions and the role that I played was taking things and then running with it and trying to figure out, you know, how to get everyone on board and how to execute. But I know sometimes I would get frustrated with the crazy creatives. So one of one of the people that I had to throw out there for us to have a chuckle about is Charlie. Remember oh, yeah. Charlie in meetings? And it was the it. one that always pops to mind. It was Donald Duck's, I think, 50th birthday. Yep. And everybody had all these crazy ideas. And I mean, crazy, like really crazy. And the one that started to bubble up that Charlie came up with was, you know, we'll have these a Donald Duck parade and we'll have these ducks in the parade and 50 of them and they'll wear, you know, little party hats and they'll follow around Donald. And and I remember thinking, okay, that's great, but like really, how do we do that? And then there was this whole other, so he would have these crazy ideas and then there is a whole other team of which then I would be excited to be a part of. Like, can we really make that happen? And and part of the, I guess, brilliance in it was never saying no and then just seeing if the idea could work. Like when we transformed the castle, my brother who's engineering, you know, down at Disney, you know, part of their job was, okay, we want to make the castle look like a birthday cake. Well, okay. you can sometimes do that with projection, but they literally wanted to wrap it. And so then you turn it over to these engineering whiz, you know, whiz-bang folks to say, is it logistically feasible? And initially it would always be no, but nobody would ever say no. And then you would go figure it out, which yeah. was, you know, the fascinating <laughs> part. I remember the Charlie uh, Donald Duck story and the way that he made it happen, which which to this day just still stuns me. So what happened was, as I remember it, when these little ducklings were born, the first thing they saw was Donald. Okay? And Donald was so it's just like, ah, mama. And the, and so they that's how they got them to connect with Donald and ultimately, yes, to follow him down a parade route with little birthday hats on their head. I mean, absolutely insanity, the ideas that would come up. Um, and I don't know if the birthday wrap you were talking about was the year that um, Tom decided we were going to paint the castle pink. Yes, and that I, was the and, year. And I remember, you know, that memory is it became the Pepto-Bismol castle because <laughs> right. that was the pink it ended up to be. But yeah, the, the, the fact that these people would dream really big, outrageous possibilities that yes very often when we would take it to our operational friends they would probably roll their eyes like you've right. got to be kidding but right. there was this desire throughout the company that says okay we can do impossible things it may sound crazy because it did to us in the meetings at the time um, but then these brilliant people made it happen well and you'd throw out I mean out of a hundred crazy ideas, 
I mean, you'd find one, but you'd have to throw out 99 mm -hmm. <laughs> before you. And usually it wasn't. Now, the duck one was really, Charlie was all about that. And everybody had things that, ancillary ideas that came about around that. But that was one person sort of getting a vision. Oftentimes it was like a spark of an idea that another right. idea. And that, when I think about other areas, when I was working at the studio and really saw a lot around the animation process, mm -hmm. that was one for me that was so fascinating because there were individuals, but then it all had to work for the team. So again, like just thinking of some of the creativity that went into that, there's people that were completely focused illustrators and just beautiful artwork for backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And they would dream of these, immerse themselves into the story enough that the backgrounds would come to life. But then animators would have to, again work with them, individual animators would be assigned character development. So for instance, a, a really good friend of mine, Glenn Keane, who is just like artistically, creatively, I, I've never met anyone like him really. And he's Academy Award winning director, animator. He's a Disney legend. So again, he is you know, famous Disney people you don't know, but you know everything he's... Well, so for instance, like on Beauty and the Beast, he was the lead animator on the Beast. Mm. But he couldn't do that. You're sort of on the one hand doing that in isolation because he had to really bring the Beast to life. Mm -hmm. Yet on the other hand you aren't just telling a story about a beast set someplace off in, you know, by yourself. You know, it was the whole relationship with Belle and the beast. And then they go into these, you know, at the start of the film, they're in the village. And so the people working on the village and the setting and building actual three-dimensional and visiting places to evoke okay, you're going to immerse this character into this village. I mean, I could talk for days about this because, and to hear him talk about it, like the transformation. I know you're not Disney crazy, but of course you do have your three babies that I'm sure you've watched Beauty and the Beast mm -hmm. a million times. So uh, that transformation scene, when the mm -hmm. beast becomes the prince mm -hmm. through love, he talks about how he really thought about that when he was animating and envisioning that scene. And he said, I was thinking that the transformation really happened from the inside out. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just, you know, I couldn't believe. And he talked about this, one of his favorite Bible verses that he posted on his uh you know, animation drawing board as he was thinking about it. And it talked about, you know, it was Second Corinthians 5.17, you know, transformed and a new creation. Mm. When you are transformed, mm -hmm. you know, you are a new creation. And that happens from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, you really have to go there to be able to, and, and then you know, how he talked about the prince was inside all along, but he had to unlock him. And just the 
process. Again, I could talk about it for days and to hear if you go on YouTube or Google, you know, Glenn Keane and he tells his story, of course, much better than I do. But, you know, it was just fascinating. And then another person like that on the, you know, animation and live action, some of the nature uh, things. Don Hahn was a producer, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and some of that. And just a I mean, the raw talent mm-hmm. that just, and creativity, and but then being able to work on the teams. I mean, that to me takes, because so often you think of creative, pe- creative people that kind of go in a closet somewhere, you know, and then they emerge with this. But I think at Disney, a lot of the, you know, people that were backstage everything was all about the teamwork that then ultimately would bring it mm-hmm. on stage so to speak absolutely now i know you worked for michael eisner for years so you have i mean talk about a person behind the disney magic um my favorite michael eisner story i didn't have that much interaction with him was when he came i guess he saw over in um Asia where they started having destination weddings and and he I remember a meeting he said you know I think we should look about destination weddings somebody you know bringing their whole extended family to Walt Disney World for a wedding and I was one of many in the room that sat there going that can never happen I mean people have weddings in their own hometown and people aren't gonna travel and this just doesn't seem like a a great idea well fast forward uh probably 28 years I mean it it, it's huge. I mean, my son and his wife got married at Disney. It is now this huge business opportunity with wedding locations all around the property uh, and people wanting to do destination weddings. So again, that envisioning, that creativity, yep. the the just the ability to think beyond even cultural norms of the day. Um, I just was always so, um, just so impressed that he had that vision and, and just my own turnaround, like, man, I just think too small, but you had so much interaction with him. I have to tell you, he was poster child. One of Walt's words, obviously we're not old enough to have worked with Walt, but in all his writing and things that you hear about him and he talks about the four C's and one of Walt's four C's was curiosity. Mm -hmm. And he would always talk about, he wasn't a great animator, he wasn't a, but he was curious. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Walt's brilliance, which then I think carried on in the company, was just this insatiable curiosity. And to always ask the question, why not? Like, why not do this? And so some of the things that really led to the original breakthroughs were even technology that supported the creative process. Mm -hmm. So Disney has so many patents on new ways to do filmmaking or at the theme park, they had to design and create a lot of things that had never been done before with the attractions. But Mm -hmm. Michael, it's so funny that you said that because to circle back on the curiosity, we used to laugh because 
whether it was the theme parks or a studio meeting or over at Walt Disney Imagineering, which if we want to talk creativity, the folks that, you know, are creating all the things that you see in the parks. And today they work on a lot of the games and the consumer products and, and Imagineering really being that combination of imagination and engineering. Mm -hmm. So the creativity and imagination, but then engineering, how do you make it happen? And we used to laugh when there would be meetings at Imagineering or Consumer Products or anywhere. And Michael would just, this curiosity, like if there was a new restaurant at one of the parks and all of a sudden we'd be like, where is he? And he'd be in the kitchen. Oh. Like talking to the chef going, mm. okay, now this particular, where'd you get the idea? And <laughs> I think he was criticized so much for being maniacal about the details. Mm. But I think mm. it was a little bit of an unfair criticism. I mean, depending right. on the day, I totally get people's frustration right. with it. <laughs> but um, I think it, that curiosity led to like your example. Right. So it was it was so fun to be around and again, you know, would drive you crazy, right. but but yet led to so many fascinating. I mean, honestly, the first theatrical shows, you know, that was Peter and Tom and and Michael just saying Oh my gosh, you know, Disney theatrical and let's bring Beauty and the Beast and Lion King to life mm -hmm. and yeah. Aida and all these great shows. And then they hooked up with Julie Tamor who and had gone to see a show. I don't remember the name of it. It obviously wasn't Disney. And she was doing these fascinating things with um, puppets and a lot of, and mm. they figured out that's how they could perhaps crack Lion King for Broadway uh -huh. because they could use this puppeteer. Mm -hmm. So they brought Julie on board. And again, assembling these teams, not right. thinking, I have the answers, I'm the creative. And I think that's really what a lot of management and leadership, and that's what I learned so much at Disney, that it wasn't, you know, go find one person and do this, but back to it's always the people right. and assembling these teams of people. And one area that I think would be so fascinating to just mention too is sometimes like we've talked a lot about creating product, but one of the areas like to me, when you think about backstage that is fascinating at Disney is we have one of the largest archives and it's in California and you can't, there are archive exhibits. And if you're on the studio lot, you can see a little sampling, but the main archives, you know, they manage hundreds of thousands of objects from consumer products to famous props out of all the TV and films. And it wasn't established till 1970, but um, a gentleman named Dave Smith and, and was working on and had assembled some things. And then over the years, there's a woman there now named Becky, who's the archivist that, you know, is really, and there was a gentleman named Robert Tiemann who was fabulous there. And they just were maniacal about collecting and preserving, mm -hmm. but not for the reasons that you would think, which is, okay, let's make touring shows and turn this into a moneymaker, which it has, archives has been 
very successful and has done touring shows, but to be available for research, Mm -hmm. these historical materials relating to Walt and the company. And so it's really a working archives. But for instance, when we talked about Donald Duck's 50th birthday, what led to some of those ideas was doing the research when and going through, combing through all these original documents and inspiration for Donald Duck Mm -hmm. and the creation of the character. So it's just fascinating when you really think about it. And, you know, if you read books on Disney, there's a talented, over-the-top, creative um, woman named Wendy who heads up the part of publishing that really is about celebrating all things Disney, but also at the same time looking for new stories, um, like did a whole series of new stories about Peter Pan before the film Peter Pan, Mm. which was an older film. And so there's this series of books, Peter and the Star Catchers, and how (laughs) Peter... And so, and Wendy, that's, you know, again, she's looking for talented people and always on the hunt for a good story. And and she's just so talented. So it's fascinating when you think about the people and then also, you know, the teams of people that are pur- pulled together and the people that, you know, management and leaders that really help those teams soar and that encourage those people because it can be hard to pull that all together for what we see on stage. Right. So before we close, now I'm curious, what are the four C's in addition to curiosity? Yeah, well, it's interesting. He talks about courage, confidence, curiosity, and then constancy. Oh, And so, you know, obviously courage, but there's always something that powers courage, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. Mm -hmm. And then confidence, when you really look at Walt, you know, everybody predicted Snow White would be a failure, Disneyland would be a failure, and to push through that and have the confidence in your dream and idea, knowing that you might fail. And Walt always talked about he was glad he had failures early on, Mm -hmm. because he learned that you get back up, you try it, and maybe you put a different spin on it, or maybe you throw it out and start <laughs> over altogether, which he had to do a couple times. Right. And then constancy to me, um, Walt didn't single that out as the one he thought was most important. But I think when you look at Disney, which will celebrate its 100th birthday coming up um, in a couple years, and I think um, constancy is really what can be about longevity because people change and you know new technology comes about but constancy is that you know what is the heartbeat like we used to say you know it all started with a mouse well how do you go back to that heartbeat and that foundation and mm-hmm. that some of those things never change right you know so um yeah so the four c's there you have it awesome <laughs> well we were very fortunate to have been exposed to so many people and we just kind of touched the surface today on all the people who made 
the Disney magic. And um, it, it just was a wonderful experience, I think, for both of us. And, you know, in trail mix, there there's um, the fruits and the sweets and the nuts is behind the trail mix magic, too. See, so it all <laughs> comes together. Right. So be Lots sure of ingredients. to enjoy your trail mix and don't forget the chocolate. Or the popcorn. You can find all of our Trail Mix episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love you to rate and give us a review. And follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Look for Trail Mix Pod with a picture of Trail Mix. To learn more about us, check out our new website, trailmixpod.com. It was great to have you. Thanks for listening to Trail Mix, sorting through life's fruits, sweets, and nuts. Keep mixing it up. And remember, life is nuts. So don't forget the chocolate or the popcorn. Mm-hmm.